It's a great privilege to be with you here this morning, and we have the opportunity in Josiah Venture to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with young people in Central and Eastern Europe who haven't heard of him. One of the things we do is every summer we lead about 110 evangelistic camps. And to do that, we need 130, 140 college students from the United States, Canada, and the UK to come and be a part of those camps. There are still openings to serve as an intern, uh, particularly in four countries, Latvia, uh, Latvia, Hungary, Croatia, and what was the last one? and Poland. And so that's one of the opportunities if you're interested in in talking to our team in the back and you're thinking about what am I going to do this summer, uh, think about sharing the gospel with young people in Central and Eastern Europe through these evangelistic camps. I'm just wondering, are any of you here at Tyndale because you're preparing for missions? Would you raise your hands? Some of you, there's a few of you out there. All right, great. Uh, Are Uh, For the rest of you, did you choose Tyndale because you were hoping that your studies here would bring you closer to God? Was that one of the reasons you chose to come here? If so, raise raise your hands. Okay, you're hoping to learn something that would bring you closer to God. Okay, another question. Uh, As you chose this school, was one of the reasons because you hoped this would equip you to be used by God? Can Can you raise your hands if that's true? All right, great, super. Well, my goal this morning is to make your studies much simpler. Uh, because um, of all the things that you learn here at Tyndale, two are the most important. Uh, You need to learn sometime during your time here to sit, and you need to learn to walk, okay? So you'll need to learn to sit, and you'll need to learn to walk. Maybe you go, I already know how to do that. I spend way too much time sitting, not enough time walking. Um, What do you mean by that? Well, I I believe that if you learn to sit you will be close to God. And if you learn to walk, you'll be used by him. So if you're interested in being close to him or being used by him, you need to learn to sit and learn to walk. Now, maybe you're wondering, what does that all mean? I hope you have your Bibles with you this morning because let's turn to the book of Ephesians or on your mobile phone app, that works too. And we'll read in chapter two. Verse 1, and you were dead in the transgressions and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, who were by nature children, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, So all of us were in a pretty bad state before he saved us, no matter what kind of background we came from. And then this word comes, but God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If you want to be close to God, you've got to learn to sit. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that when when he saved you, when you put your trust in him, he seated you with Christ in the heavenlies. So let's just kind of get this picture. You were seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Now, what does this mean? Does it mean you immediately go to heaven? Well, 
You're, you're headed there, but you're seated in the heavenlies right now, which means there must be a, a spiritual reality that God has already brought you into in Christ. You're, you're seated with him. Now, now, what's true about this, this place called the heavenlies? What, what's it like if, if you and I are, are there? Well, we can get some, some tips from other passages that talk about the heavenlies. In Hebrews 8.1, it says this. Now, the point in which you're all saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord has set up, not man. From those verses, we can find out two things about this heavenly place we're sitting in. One is it's a a temple. We're we're seated there with the priest. It's It's a copy of actually the tent down here, the tabernacle on earth was just a copy of this place that you're in right now. And it's also a throne room. We're seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. So this heavenly place does double duty. It's a, it's a temple and it's a, it's a throne room. Now what's interesting though is if, if you study scripture, you'll find out that no temples had any chairs. There were not chairs in temples. It was forbidden to have a chair in a temple. In fact, in Deuteronomy 18.5, it says, For the Lord your God has chosen him, the Levites, out of all the tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. Priests could never sit in the temple. And just to make sure they didn't, they wouldn't even put chairs in the temple. If you visited a temple in Israel, there would be no chairs in the temple because the priests were to always stand, always stand, always stand. But there's a chair in this temple. What's, what's this chair doing in the temple? And why am, I, why am I seated in it? Well, if you read on in Hebrews in chapter 10, it says this, chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God awaiting at that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For, and this is an amazing passage, by a single offering, he has perfected for all those who are, all time, those who are being sanctified. So I'm seated in the temple. And I'm only seated because the work of Christ is finished. And I'm seated because in that work, I've been made perfect for all time, even though I still am being made holy. I'm seated because the work is done. The work is done. The, the work is done. Now, this is also a throne room. And did you know that in a throne room, there are only usually two seats? If you entered a throne room to visit a, a king, you'd, you'd walk in this way and you'd probably walk out like this because you wouldn't want to turn your back on the king. And you never, ever sat down in a king's presence. Why? Because the only reason you would be in the presence of a king is to get orders from him, some instructions about what you were supposed to do. Uh, but, but to sit in the presence of a king would be, would be dishonoring. It would say that, that you, were, you were not a, a servant, which you, you're, you are just a servant, aren't you? Or maybe you're more than that. Maybe you've been made in Christ a son. And so in the throne room, in this majestic place in the presence of God, you actually are not just standing there to, to go do his bidding. He, he doesn't need you to do his bidding because the work is finished in, in Christ and you're actually seated in him. Now you're not just seated beside him or, or near him, you're seated 
in him. Uh, The work's been done. He doesn't need you to do work for him. But also, think about this. Where are you seated? You're seated at the right hand of God. God is here. You're at his his right hand. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's a place of great honor, but it's also a place of great nearness, right? Because uh, think about this. How close to God is Jesus? How, how close to God is Jesus? Quite close, right? Is it, could, could, could anyone be any closer than Jesus is to God? I, I, they're, they're really the same. It's the Trinity. Is there any space between them? Is there any distance? There's no way to get closer to God than Jesus is, and where am I? I'm not just at the right hand of Jesus. I'm not just near Jesus. I actually am in Christ. And so in this place where I'm seated, I am as close as I can possibly get to God based on the completed work of Christ, which made me perfect even though I'm still being made holy. And I don't even, he doesn't even need me to do anything. I've been adopted as a son. I'm not just a servant or some of you as daughters as close to Christ, close to God as Christ. Isn't that, that's just just amazing. Now some of you might say, well, what about, what if I sin? You know, do do I I move from, from, from that spot? Well, the Bible says he's made you perfect forever. And in 1 John, where it talks about sin, it actually doesn't talk about my position. It talks about my, my, my fellowship. He says, if you sin, if you claim to be without sin, walk in darkness. And so if you just picture this, here I am in the throne room. If, if, if I decide to disobey God, I, I turn my back on him. And because of that, if he's light, I'm in darkness, but I'm just in a darkness of a shadow. My, my position hasn't changed. My experience of that has. I I see darkness, but actually, I'm still as close to God as I could possibly be because I'm in Christ, and Christ is as close to God as you can get. And I didn't get there because of anything I've done, so I can't get out of there for anything I don't do. It's based on the finished work of Christ that's made me perfect forever, even though he's making me holy. So I, this is where I am. By grace through faith. Now, let me tell you, that's a wonderful place, but it's sometimes hard to learn to stay seated because there exists another option that that can be very uh, attractive for those of us. In fact, often those who are saved by grace then go on and start living by the law. And that's what happened in Galatians. Uh, In fact, in Galatians 1.8, Paul said, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And then he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by the flesh. In fact, he he talks about this in Ephesians when he says, by grace you've been saved through faith, and this, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. And he recognizes that as I'm seated in Christ, there's another option. I can move to something of myself and something of my works and start living back in the law. In fact, it's such a small change, I might not even notice it. 
because everything else is the same. Uh, Jesus died for me. Yes, he did. He saved me. Uh, I want to be close to God. I, I believe in Jesus. And then the only thing I do is substitute my works for his works. Now that I'm saved, my proximity to God depends on my efforts rather than on the finished work of Christ. Now that I'm saved, his, his pleasure in me really is tied to, to what I do rather than what he's done. We're saved by faith and grace, but we think, well, after that, it's about us kind of climbing this ladder and getting close to God. And we go and we start living in the law. And when I was studying in a similar school as Tyndale, uh, in my first and second year, I spent most of my time on this ladder. I grew up in a Christian home, and, and because that kind of thought, God was pretty lucky to get me on his team. I mean, I was a pretty good guy. I wasn't one of those people who, who did all those bad things, and then I decided to follow him. And in, in my church, I was kind of at the top of the, of the ladder, and then went to the school with lots of other Christians and realized, well, they, there's some really mature people up there and some profs who know a lot. And uh, wow, there's kind of a long ways to go. I thought I was close to God, but maybe he's farther away than I thought. And, and I felt like I slipped down the ladder a little bit. And I knew a lot of things about God, but, but then I started studying scripture and I learned a lot more. And then I learned a lot of things that I didn't even know existed about him. And I'd go to chapels and I'd hear another list of things I should be doing. And I felt like the more I learned about God, the farther I got from him. Because the more I learned about how great he was and, and all the things that I was supposed to be doing. And I was actually the mo- miserable at Bible college because of this ladder that I was on. Tried to spend time with God, God's word every day, but some days I would forget. And then the next day I'd think, oh, I need to spend kind of double time to make it up. And so it was this... this this movement up and down the ladder, comparing myself with people that are higher, comparing with lower, and, um, and always wondering, is there any way that I could get closer to God? My second year, I went on a choir tour and roomed with a, a guy named Kevin and spent several weeks just in close proximity to Kevin and uh, being irritated by him. Uh, Kevin just irritated me. And the reason why Kevin irritated me was because uh, he was... His spirit was at rest. I don't know if you've been around people that their, their spirits are just at rest. Like when things were going great, he was great. When things were going bad, he was fine. When he did well, he was happy. When he did poorly, he was just as happy. Um, he, he seemed to not be comparing himself to others and, and not striving all the time. And I was striving, he was sitting, and it bothered me. And I remember one night, late at night, I said, I said, Kevin, um, why are you so at rest and I am so not? And he said, Dave, um, actually, I haven't always been this way. He said, last year, I discovered for the first time in my life, I really came to understand grace. He said, I I grew up in a Christian home, so I thought I knew it. But I realized that I didn't know how to sit and remain in the grace of Jesus Christ. That I had somehow started living back on this system of a law And he said, I had to repent and learn to live by grace. Grace. That's a big word that we all know what it means, right? We we know what that means, right? Do we know what that means? That there's zero of my work that gets me to this place of position to God. And 100% of his. That that work that he did is done. There's nothing that can be added to it. And that he doesn't even need me to do anything for him today 
because what's most important is finished. And then I receive that in faith, in faith, in grace. Nearness to God that is only because of him I receive that. Well, I was addicted to the latter. I knew how to make things work over here. That spot was a tough one for me. And actually, for the next three or four months, um, all I did was study grace and scripture and try to understand it. And then I realized something, that the only way from a ladder is down. That I realized that what was keeping me on this ladder was pride, was the desire to have something that I could claim for myself. Uh, something that was under my control, uh, something that I could direct. And that I didn't realize that the first part of Ephesians applied to me, that apart from Christ, I was dead in my transgressions of sin. I was a slave to Satan. I was, I was, I was a slave to my own desires. Apart from the work of Christ, I'm nothing. And I had to realize that only by repenting in that pride and realizing and, and accepting by faith, this place, this place of grace, could I be in relationship with the Father? I learned a lot of things in Bible college, but this lesson of the ladder and the chair was the most important single thing I learned. And it took me a long time to learn to sit, but that realization of my place in the throne with Christ changed my life. I told you two things. I told you you need to learn to sit and you also need to learn to walk. Well, this passage actually goes just a little farther. And it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now we might think, oh, I've learned how to sit. This is great. Uh, Another cup of Tom Horton's coffee. And... uh, don't have to do anything, right? And you don't have to do anything. You're not saved by good's works, but you are his workmanship. You are God's good work. When he got done making you, he said, that was good, what I did. When you look in the mirror and wonder uh, what happened, you know, uh, you can say what God said, that was good. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. So now I have the privilege of doing things for God because I, I don't have to. The privilege of engaging in things that he's prepared for me, not to earn a position, but because I have a position. Not to earn his love, but because I have his love. Not to become somebody, but because I'm someone, I have good works prepared in advance to do. I'm sure you think a lot about the future and you think, uh, Will there be a partner for me? Will there be a, a place for me? Will there be um, a job for me? And sometimes, as we think about the future, we can get back on the ladder and think, what I really need is a certain degree, and then God can use me. I need a certain skill, and then God can use me. I need a certain job, and God can use me. I need some certain credentials. But, you, but what you need is to be yielded in his hands. What you need is to do the good works that he's prepared for you. And your qualification for that is the fact that you're in Christ and nothing else. You have everything you need, all of the riches of the king because of where you sit in the throne room with him. And those who are used by God are those who learn to walk in the good works that he's prepared in advance. So what do you do today? Well, God has good works prepared for you today. 
What do you do next week? Good works are, are prepared in advance for you. And they're not your neighbor's good works or your roommate's good works. They're your good works. And, and they're prepared. And you've been prepared for them because you're his workmanship. And if you just learn to walk in those good works that he's prepared in advance, what you'll do is you'll get down the road and you'll look back and you go, oh my, oh my. That was amazing, the adventure that I got to enter into. But he won't give you a map. He'll give you steps. He won't tell you all where it's going to go. He'll, he'll give you a step of obedience and then another step of obedience and another step of obedience. And as you walk in the good works that he's prepared in advance from your place in Christ, you'll find that you'll be used powerfully by him. So it's actually pretty simple, isn't it? Get off that ladder. Learn to sit. And it might, you, might, you might have to really work at learning to sit because it's not easy to just stay there in his presence. You have a big test. Start by realizing that no matter what the outcome of your, that test, you have everything you need in Christ. You wake up tired and discouraged. That hasn't changed anything because your tiredness and discouragement doesn't change who you are in Christ and your position. This place is so stable. And when you do everything in your life from that spot, you will have an anchor for your soul in Jesus Christ. It's really all about Jesus, isn't it? When it comes right down to it. And just as we end today, I want you to to hear the voices of Eastern Europeans as they talk about the change Jesus has made in their life. And just think, are you seated or are you on the ladder? Are you taking those steps of obedience? Are you trying to climb on your own efforts? Let's listen to them talk about Christ. Before I met Jesus, I was a very depressed person and I felt unneeded. Now I'm very grateful to him because he saved my life. I didn't didn't even know that I needed God. He actually, he found me. So before I was a slave to sin, but Jesus has set me free. Christ for me is someone who deeply cares and who really wants to pursue a relationship with me. Jesus is my, uh, my savior. He, he, he is my strength, my courage. He is my God. The way I know that I'm loved is that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross. And no one, no one else would ever done it. He loves us perfectly. When I know Jesus, I, I've got, I got, I've got love, I've got uh, peace. Before Christ in my life, I felt hopeless, and now I feel full of hope and love because of Jesus. He healed my wounds that I even didn't know that exists, and God is awesome. I have, I have changed uh, in the, not only from outside, like I don't drink or smoke anymore, but in the inside, like I just, I'm just happy and Jesus lives inside me. Uh, now I'm, uh, I know who I am. I'm, I really, I know who I am and uh, I trust in him with all, with all my life, with all my heart. And uh, I will follow Jesus all my life. Jesus changed 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 my life. Forever.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for the students of Tyndale University and Seminary. Thank you that you saved them. May they learn to sit at the right hand of God in Jesus Christ. And in faith, because of your grace, receive everything that they have because of the finished work of Christ. And, and Father, may they learn to walk as your workmanship and the good works that you've prepared in advance so that they may experience closeness to you and the great joy of being used by you. In Jesus' name, amen.